Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Hey, y'all. While Marty and Tony have known each other for 30 years, they've only been doing RDTN for three. And in this anniversary episode, the guys bring us a Flying Squirrels plus their first ever Q&A segment with questions from listeners. Now, I've got a few stories to tell about those two. No, no, we ain't got time for that. Hey, and welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 82. Who are you? I just said I'm telling you. That's, you're, that's you're the song, being right? a, Yeah, you're being an owl back there. But you're talking about the Who song, Who Are You, right? Yeah. And who are you? Who, who? Oh, so I'm Marty. This is the year-end show. I know you've been counting down to to finally hear it, to, to get another <laughs> year out of rolling dice and taking names. But this is number 82. This is our third year anniversary. Can you believe it, Marty? Three freaking years! If you would have told me three years ago that three years from now we'd be doing this, I would not believe that here we'd be here right now saying, can you believe it's been three years? I know. I'm amazed that we have hung in there with that. That. it's i mean obviously this is not a card game because that that shelf life is a year and a half <laughs> yeah. you know, you know what i'm saying but, no that's true this is probably just as expensive as a card game too when you count it's like well we probably need to go to this con and see this and see that so it's not even cheaper than a card game yeah but do you think we would have gone to cons if we hadn't done the podcast didn't you think we would have put you were going to a con prior to i mean 2012 we were not doing the podcast were we we were not i did go to uh, a couple cons before then but it's it's totally different i mean it's just i mean when you have a show and everything you have a podcast uh, you go and, and you want to talk to people and find out little things that you can share with others and so i do treat it different I, we probably do try to okay i try to go to more cons I get one a year. Can't help it. That's the budget. That's the budget. That's the permission. Yes, that too. That's okay. We're, we're good with that. So have, have you recovered from your cold from BGG Con? I have. Hopefully I sound better than the last time we recorded in 81, which was at the actual uh, show. But yes, I am, I am much better now. It took a while to get over that funk. Well, you sound a whole lot better. So I think you, were bringing, you brought it to the con. I may have. I mean, and let me tell you what, that airborne and all that stuff, that... That's placebo, man. That stuff don't work. Oh, of course it doesn't work. I mean, but they sell a ton of it. They do. I mean, it sounds good in theory, right? Hey, let's take a bunch of vitamin C and everything to help stave off colds and does not work. Back a year, or a year ago, three years ago, we said that we were going to keep this show to under an hour. You want to just jump right into this? Yeah, because we got a lot of stuff going on. We're going to do some squirrels. And then we asked for people to give us some questions and answers because for the first time ever... Ever. We've actually decided to do a Q&A. And to be honest, Tony, we've never done this before because we didn't think anybody would ask us anything. <laughs> and it was really going to hurt our pride. And we say, could you ask us some questions? And nothing came in. But we got a lot of questions. And because of that, we want to get uh, right to it because there's a lot of things we want to talk about in this show. And now it's time for Flying Squirrels, short discussions on topics that have our attention for now. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. After three years, we always try to introduce some new segments here and there to see if they catch on. And this is one that seems to have caught on for now. 
This is the Flying Squirrel segment. I don't think, Marty, since we've done it so much, you need to go into a lot of detail about what the squirrels are. I mean, you, you don't need to say it's two minutes of us on a specific topic, and when the two-minute timer is up due to this sound, then we move on. You're probably right. I don't need to do that anymore, so we can just get started. For me, I just want to point out that at the end of the year, just like our third anniversary show, at the end of every year, BGG, well, Board Game Geek, goes and does their membership drive, donation drive, whatever you want to call it. I just want to bring it to your attention. Make sure that you take a look over there and get your 2015 banner. I know I've got to go out and do that before the end of the year. It's a great way for us to pull in some additional geek gold to give you micro badges later. So if you have not gone out there and done your donation to the one website that is everybody's go-to for rules, FAQs, videos, um, screenshots, uh, screenshots, um, pictures of the board games, all of that stuff. Just $15 gets you on the board. What's $15? I'll tell you what that is, Marty. That is three Bojangle lunches. <laughs> it is. But you know what? This drive is really cool, like you said, because you do get a ton of geek gold that you can use for micro badges and the avatars and everything like that. And Tony, like you said, I do like to contribute because uh, it's a site that we use a lot. It's the place that we have over 800 members in our guild where we like to communicate and talk with people. And like you said, that extra geek gold that we get will allow us to give away those free micro badges. So guys, if, if you haven't done it already I, and you haven't gone to Board Game Geek, it's not like it's right in your face in the top banner now, which is awesome. And they also changed the banner just recently. I don't know if you know, it's a lot slicker now, Marty. And if they get to the 100% funding, everything doubles up. So it's really a worthwhile uh, thought if you just $15 Get it out there, guys. I will, I, you'll see a 15 on my underneath my D.A. McCree BGG username. Yeah, and it's now like, you know, as you go along, every time you add a banner, there's like you see underneath your avatar, they kind of get longer. So I'm looking forward to adding the 2015 to my uh, avatar also. And it's not a Kickstarter. So I love immersion in games, and I've talked about this before. My immersion can be usually from music or sound effects that we use during games. Well, I got my hands on this product the other day that sent to us some samples from a company called AdventureSense. They're AdventureSense.com. And what this, this company does is provide uh, canisters and bags of like little beads, like little gel beads that have a certain scent to them. And this company has a lot of scents. It was like 30 to 40 different scents. And they range in all different types of things. And when you look at them, you think they're probably going to use for more than a role-playing type thing. So for example, they sent me an example of like Rowdy Tavern, where when you smell it, it smells like kind of old wood and, and maybe a little bit of like an L smell to it. They have uh, like the dusty library, which you might use when a wizard's going in to study somewhere and it smells like, well, like that. It smells like old dusty books. There's the putrid swamp. There's these uh, rainforest. There's this one that's actually horse stable, which is a tad like hay and just a little bit of manure. And people may think, well, why would I want to smell that? It's not very pungent or makes you sick or anything like that it just adds an effect to the game and tony it's really cool because they got the canisters where you could just take off the top and, it, and, the, and the smell kind of fills the room or they had these little individual bags where you'd open it and kind of pass it around and say like we are at the stables and everybody takes a whiff and it kind of just pulls you into the game all right so that's kind of cool for the rpg but i, I immediately went back to lords of water Deep. so hey you want to bring them in immerse them that way It'd be kind of neat. Do they have like space smell? Actually, they do. They do have some sci-fi stuff like spaceship. Uh, there's one that's actually called like a time 
time traveler. I think it was supposed to like represent the TARDIS or something. So yes, they have fantasy based smells. They have sci-fi based smells. It is really cool. A new way to kind of immerse yourself in the games is adventuresense.com. Go check them out. And where I work, and we're going to talk a little bit about this in the upcoming Q&A session, safety is number one. And guys, it's that time of year. I'm going to step away from the board gaming because I do. I care about your safety out there in the world. You're putting up lights. If you're like Marty, you could be killed under the weight of the eight Christmas trees he's had to put up at his house. All right? Eleven. Oh, my gosh. Eleven. Either way. Wait a minute. Do both dogs have trees now oh shh, don't oh vanessa please don't listen to this okay anyway so from that standpoint guys please be safe as you hang the lights light the candles check your wiring make sure that whatever you're doing for the holiday season that you do it safely believe it or not there are over 800 fires that are started due to christmas tree lights every year on average there are over I believe it was 150 deaths, according to the Fire Department Association uh, statistics that they just shared with us at Duke Energy. So please, also, safety in the parking lots. Be sure to park under well-lighted areas. You know, we're not just about board gaming here. We're just not about being our foodie selves. We are also concerned about your safety. So, guys, please have a safe holiday season. I took a moment of the flying squirrel side for you to take a moment. Think about it. Think about your family safety, especially at this time. And people are crazy out there on the roads, Marty. Crazy. Okay. Boy, this really came out of nowhere. I was like, I saw you on Fox Safety. It's like, okay, what's the joke? No, uh, Smokey over here decided to go through and actually do a real PSA on this thing. I had to because I just the, I was in charge of this month's safety um, for Duke, and I had all these stats. I'm going to share it. I'm not going to spend 10 hours looking this stuff up and not share it more than once. Okay? I'm sorry. I have to go. Oh, now it became a rant. Okay. Anyway, so there you go. Please be safe this holiday season. We had the privilege of participating in a special charity event from Stonemeyer Games. Uh, Jamie Stegmeyer, the owner of Stonemeyer Games, asked us to be a part of this, and he'd been doing this for several years at uh, BGG.com. Uh, what he does is he offers some of his uh, special editions of his games that are auctioned away, and, and the money that he makes is all given to the charity of the sponsor's choice. So, for example, there were 10 podcasts and reviewers and blogs that were picked this year, and we were one of them, and each one of those people picked a charity that they wanted to support. In return, Jamie put up for auction a collector's edition of the Viticulture plus the uh, Tuscany expansion to go to the winner of each auction. Tony and I decided uh, for our charity we were going to do Samaritan's Purse, and you may have heard of that. Those are the, That's the place that where people can take shoeboxes and fill them full of toys and stuff, and it's sent to third world uh, countries across the world. And we thought, since it's Christmas time, maybe that's a, that's a good one to support. That was really cool. Cool because a lot of money was raised, like for our particular one, over $600 was raised uh, for that collector's edition of that game. So somebody got a really sweet version of the game that you could no longer collect, and a lot of money was uh, raised for charity, Tony. I know. That was an amazing thing by by you know Stonemeyer for putting that on. Now, I will say this, Marty, and uh, the, the auction was great, but we did not win by the thumbs. 800-plus guild members, and we didn't get the most thumbs. I was like, oh, man, but that's okay. That's because we don't have an effective way to get the message out there like a video channel with a lot of subscribers that really make it easy to to, to kind of reach out to people. Regardless, Doesn't we still matter. got a lot of thumbs, and it, it has nothing to do with that. A lot of great charities 
views were supported. Thank you so much, Jamie, for asking us to uh, uh, be a part of that and can't wait to see what you do again next year. All right, Marty. So there was one game I tried at BGG Con, and that was Seven Wonders Duels. And I, Seven Wonder Duels, that's awesome, Duel. And it wasn't a bunch of duels. It's one duel. It's between two players. You know I love my Seven Wonders, right? You do love your Seven Wonders almost as much as Pandemic. Almost as, as much as Pandemic. You're absolutely right. But this is for two players. So as the Empty Nester, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get Donna into this. Well, haven't been able to sit her down yet to uh, play this game. However, I did get my daughter, Rebecca, to play it. And that little stinker beat me. She beat me so bad I was not a happy camper, but that's okay. So I'm 0 for 2 for that. Suzanne beat me, and now my daughter <laughs> beat me. So who knows? This game may go up for sale, Marty, but it is, I can't wait. You and I, we've got a game day plan. I can't wait. We're going to play this one. We're talking 30 minutes. Bam. Easy to play. If you know Seven Wonders, you know this game. Yeah, I do really like the aspects of it. I know that you and I were supposed to play during lunch uh, last week, but the, the time just kind of got away from us. But you kind of explain it to me. I love how instead of card drafting, where instead of you're like taking cards and passing it, the cards are just on the table and how the cards overlap each other. And you can't take a card until the uh, uh, the card that's covering it is removed. And then doesn't the pattern change, pattern change each round also that the cards that are laid on the table? Yeah, I mean, you start out with a pyramid and there are different patterns for the second age and the third age. And you're absolutely, that's one of the cool things you mentioned it. The strategy of under, uncovering cards is very important. The ways to win, military victory versus science versus total points. Any of those things can happen for you. So I really like the strategy. It's going to be a game that I hope I can get to the table more and more. Maybe it'll be one of our lunchtime as we put it in the rotation. But then again, you know, if I keep losing, seriously, that game's done. Tony, I used to have a lot of friends uh, online, but not anymore. And it's basically due to this stupid iOS game that I've been playing called Subterfuge. Now, for those of you who don't know, Subterfuge is a its a very simple game. Basically, you start out with the base and it's underwater where you're sending subs with drillers out to different outposts in order to take over the outpost and, and basically build more drillers that are eventually converted and uh, that you can convert a place to a mine. Uh, to, to get something called Neputonium or something like that. And the first person to 200 Neputonium wins. Very simple game, except this game kind of plays like diplomacy because I'm playing with seven other people. The map is very crowded and eventually you can attack other people. You can send subs to other people's outposts in order to try to take over their outpost. And the drillers kind of act uh, also as fighters too, as well as a resource that can help you uh, drill and, and uh, get the Neputonium for you. So Tony, I've been playing this now for nine days with uh, like, see who I was on there, Rich Summer and Joel Eddy and Matt Evans and Rodney Smith and Jamie from Secret Cabal and Chaz and Jeff Engelstein. And this game is about over and everybody is pretty much at everybody's throat right now because of all the backstabbing that's occurred. This is why I don't play Diplomacy, I think. All right, so, but are you having fun? I was at the very beginning, but you know that thing where the Canadians are supposed to be so nice and everything? I can't count the number of knives I had to pull out of my back because of that Canuck up there that's on Watch It Played. It's insane. The guy's ruthless. You should have learned that at BGG Con. He killed us in Origins Chronicles. I mean, he was stabbing us all over the place there. The man plays to win. His favorite game is Kemet. Come on. That's true. So then my only goal was to keep him from winning. The game is over in about six hours. Jeff is supposed to win, but I think I'll meet my goal and at least keep him from winning. So if you like that style of game, like a diplomacy style game, go check it out. Subterfuge for both iOS and Android. It's all over, Bullwinkle. 
Hey, Marty, holidays are right around the corner. You know what? What's on your list? Uh, what's on my list is some of the hot games from Portal Games for my friends and family. Well, Ignacy, what's on your list? On my list, uh, that will be probably My Happy Farm, a new game from the designers of Mysterium, a game for the kids, a game for the families, a game for you guys, I hope. Uh, definitely a game for me. I just love the animation, animations. That's great. No, the... You, ma- you meant animals? Animals. Yes, the animals. They are so cute, and we don't want to starve the farm, so once again, thanks. My Happy Farm, you make... An- most happy. Here we are. We're at the question and answer time for rolling dice and taking names. Three years later, you wanted to get into our psyches. Are you people crazy? I don't think they really want to do this, but they asked the questions. We're going to answer every question that was submitted to us, Tony. Oh, we are? I, I put them all here for uh, yes. All the questions you're looking okay, at Okay, well... They're, they're all there. Yeah, okay. We may have to make up some answers real quick, but that's all <laughs> right. I can manage this. So anyway, what we're going to do here, and I hope this works, Marty, is you've listed them in a document, and if I can find them quickly around the guild, we'll give some props out to some some of the funnier questions, like so-and-so submitted them, and uh, Matt, you didn't submit them all, but we appreciate all the ones you did. So Matt submitted a lot. Anyway, okay. <laughs> he was just trying to get on. I know what he was trying to do. He was trying to trick us. Here we go. Question number one. You said you've played the CCGs of the 90s. Well, actually, it was more the 2000s. But anyway, I've also tried a bunch of these. Are there any that you can recall that you would like to see redone in an LCG or ECG format? Tony, this one is... Very easy. Now, our biggest one of all time was probably Lord of the Rings. We enjoyed that one. Uh, unfortunately, since there's already a Lord of the Rings LCG, I doubt this would ever come back because it wouldn't fit and it's a different style game. So my number one, and I don't know your answer, but I may be stealing your thunder, is Spycraft. Right there. I'm with you. Spycraft. Love the game. So yeah, I'm with you. Spycraft, I'd love to see it back. It, it was it was a really unique game and how the, the dynamics worked. It was almost kind of like, it kind of had the, uh, the the Game of Thrones thing where there was multiple ways to win, uh, where there was different uh, stats for each type of card and everything. And when you battled, you compared that particular type of stats. So, and plus, there's not a lot of spy games around. No, there, there's not. I mean, they, they did that one, uh, <clears throat> what was it? The AEG release, the spy craft little card game that no one you can find in the discount bins everywhere but i was i was so excited when i saw the same artwork mm-hmm. but it wasn't it but now i will say that i'm going to diverge from the question a little bit if you had asked me what mechanism in a ccg you and i both know that would have been the lord of the rings tcg resource method that we we love that yeah definitely for sure all right, so here's another one. How did the podcast come to be? What was Tony's reaction when you first brought the idea, idea to him? I'll be honest with you, Marty. I don't know how it came to be. I know you asked <laughs> me, and it was three years ago. I have slept since then. My reaction was, and, and to be honest, I know you're laughing at me. My, my reaction was, I'm going to do this. Sure, he's going to get tired of doing all the work and editing and everything. This will last for six months. I'm in it. I'm good. Wait, you want me to do this every two weeks? Wait, there's actually work that's involved with this. But to be honest with you, where did this wild hair come from, dude? It's so funny. And maybe it's just because we're getting old, but I don't think remember exactly what it was that thought, let's do this. Now, remember before we had talked about doing podcast before on other topics remember when we were really into fantasy sports we were talking about doing something there 
And um, it just it just never uh, worked because Tony and I used to be really, really, really heavy in the fantasy sports. And we researched a lot and all this. And maybe it was just because of that. We talked about it before. It's like, hey, well, we're into board games now. So what do you think about, think about doing a board game podcast? And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. And yeah, I don't know. He's probably, and you're probably right. You probably thought, yeah, we'll be done in six months. But here we are, 82 episodes later, still going. So. I know, and that's funny you brought up the funny fantasy um, sports one because I remember I submitted our names and all to of the local sports stations here and told them in your programming you're not covering fantasy sports. What's wrong with you? Two guys on the mic would be happy to do it, but mm-hmm. nothing came of that. And hey, you guys got stuck with us. <laughs> you should thank that sports station. And actually, the sports station now has people that comes in and talks about fantasy sports. So yep. we were ahead of the curve, we're ahead yes. of our time. Yes, yeah. So here's another one. Was that really Elvis spotted at Bojangles eating a sausage biscuit and a moon pie for dessert? What's your answer, dude? No. It was actually Dale Earnhardt Jr. If you live in our area. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> there's a commercial that runs with two guys standing at the counter talking about Dale Earnhardt Jr. getting his dirty rice or his Cajun Pintos. I don't remember. And his Mountain Dew. There you go. Just Photoshop me and Marty's face on those two guys. And there you go. It wasn't Elvis. It was Del Earnhardt Jr. And for those who aren't from the area, Del Earnhardt Jr. is a driver in a sport that we call NASCAR, where they drive cars really fast. Okay, dude, NASCAR is across the country now. I think everybody knows it. We have people in other countries that listen. Oh, okay. So no, that was not Elvis. But what's funny, guys, when Marty and I go to that that I do our little lunch uh, agenda planning sessions, the same people are there at that Bojangles as well. It's just funny. And they probably talk about the two weird guys that come in with like cards and dice and all this stuff and sit and play a game. We all know that Tony and Marty have an epic bromance that would rival Cap and Iron Man's, but we never see what happens behind the scenes. How do you settle disagreements and make sure besties don't become frenemies, okay, enemies in a civil war? You go for this one. I want to hear your answer first, dude. Well, number one, Tony is so easy to get along with. I can't even think of a time we actually had an argument. If we've had a disagreement, it sure hasn't been a huffy, puffy disagreement. It's been more or less we disagree. We came to a conclusion and and, uh, and kind of went with it. So there's really no drama behind the scenes. No, I mean, we're too old. Life is too short. We're two guys. We don't do drama. I mean, we were college roommates for a year. We knew each other our freshman year in college. To be honest with you, eh, it was no issues, no concerns. And you know what? We enjoy our time together. I'm with you, man. There's never been a disagreement that I can think of. I mean, the only time I think I've ever heard of Tony really get upset was actually I wasn't even there. It was at BGG Con when you were playing that. Uh, was it Mayday, Mayday? Mayday, Mayday. Yeah. Other than that, I don't No, I don't think you and I have ever really shown our true colors, have we? Now, I have seen you get pretty upset on a ball field before, but we can save that anecdote for later. Yes, we can. How many different games do you get played in a year's time? Well, I just went and looked up this year. So far, I've played 108 different games. I'm lazy. I rounded to 50. Why such a discrepancy, you think? I don't know. Why is that? Well, one, you have a bigger audience to play games with. You get out of the house to go to the board game thing more than me. Number two, I I think a lot of it has to do with my little 
play group here and only enjoys a few certain ones and and teaching is is a labor of love at times. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can buy that. Yeah, no, that is true. You you tend to play with kind of a static group with your neighbors and they don't like to learn a lot of new games. Mm-hmm. And I do get to go to the game club where we got gamers. It's like, you know, every time we go, somebody has a new game. So plus I did get to go to a couple more conventions than what you did this year. And you get to try a lot of new games when you go to those two. Yeah, I live vicariously through you. I like that. All right. Do you or your wives ever get together and play games, all four of you? I seem to recall Tony and his wife only playing with their neighbors. So the answer to that is once in a blue moon, that is true because the wives have their own lives. We've played, um, we did the introduction with Catan and it was funny watching Vanessa not use the robber. That was awesome. I remember that one. And then um, we've got, we've had parties at Marty's house. Um, we've, I forget, I dressed up like Arthur Dent from Hitchhiker's Guide. And I think Donna was with me, your Halloween party. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is Vanessa gets gamed out pretty much just from the boys and you. She enjoys her family time. We probably should get together more with all four of us. But yeah, it's mainly Tony and I. But when Tony comes up here, usually Donna doesn't. But Vanessa will come down every once in a while and and play. So we should do it more, but we don't do it enough probably. When y'all go to conventions together, which of you is the big spoon? We get double beds. There is no spooning. See, this is the one, Marty, I thought we wouldn't answer because... I had no, I had to Google that, and I was kind of like, whoa, whoa, I need to back off. Whoa, that's not, mm-mm, no, mm-mm. All questions go answered. All right, so yes, two queens, big guys. All right, maybe more of a geek all-star question than why ask it here. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> this has got to be a Matt question. Maybe more of a geek all-star question, but why in movies with more than one superhero do they always have to fight each other? Avengers 1 and 2 did it. Now we have Civil War and Bats versus Soups. Why do people want to see our heroes fighting each other? And why can't we get villains with a halfway coherent plan? You know what? Of all the superhero movies, you're right. They're going to fight. They're a family. Families fight. And that's why you have these fights. Even in the superhero world, you're going to have families are going to fight. Marty, why do you think they fight? I do think it's more people want to see the heroes and I think I see the angst between the two of them. There hasn't been a lot of really good movies where there was a really good playoff of each other between the hero and the villain. Probably uh, the Batman and Joker and uh, Christopher Nolan's movie. But so, and instead it just becomes between, between the superheroes, but it is true. It's like whenever there's a superhero that has more than one superhero in it, there's always going to be some sort of conflict between the two. It does seem. And why do can villains not get a coherent plan? By the way, Matt, I'm sorry. I deeply apologize. This was a risely question. So anyway, <laughs> wow, <laughs> because if they had a coherent plan, the movie would be over sooner. Oh, because they would succeed. Yeah, it would succeed. It'd be over. It'd be done. I mean, the world would be blown up. The sharks would have lasers and on and on and on. Which reminds me, it's so funny that because I actually thought of that. I thought of the Austin Power movies where they just uh, show how ridiculous some of this, the villains plans are. But that's one reason I really like, I know you didn't like it, but that's one reason I like the movie Kingsman because it showed how ridiculous the villains plans were. And in this movie, it, they showed how they weren't going to be cliche. I liked Kingsman. Donna did not. I, and, okay. and I completely agreed with you when no spoiler that occurred. I was like, Yes, that's how it should be done. That was really good. So what do you both do for day jobs? Well, both Tony and I got degrees in electrical engineering. 
I am a software engineering manager for a local medical company. And y'all know I work for the Duke Energy Power Utility here in the Southeast. I manage um, the bulk electric system where we ensure that your lights come on when you flip the switch. That's what we do. So basically, read a bunch of documents. Electrical engineering, haven't used it in 20 years. <laughs> oh, uh, did we make that sound awful boring for you guys? Marty writes code and I read documents. Well, you know, hey, our day jobs, we wear our glasses, and at night we take them off and play board games. There you go. No, actually, we're getting to the point where we have to wear glasses to do that too. Uh, yeah, and you're absolutely right. Oh, vision. Anyway, have you ever been so angry over a game that you punched someone? I would have to say I have playfully punched someone for doing something, and that is probably the closest I've done. I've never physically hit anyone, though. I've playfully, you know, pop, but that's about it. I have been angry. I have never punched someone, but I have slammed fists on the table before. So, but no, I've never been, I've never got so mad at somebody enough. I would, I would punch somebody. How many moon pies can you fit in your mouth? Well, see, you did not qualify this question. So we're going to have to throw this one out because there are three sizes of moon pies. There are the minis, there are the singles and the double deckers. And unless you specify which one, we can't tell you. Wait a minute. Are you telling me I just wasted three perfectly sized moon pies to verify how much I could do for each one? Oh, so you're saying you can do three single decker? No, what I'm saying is I tried each one to get an answer to this question oh. and you didn't <laughs> oh okay well what's your answer well for the singles i can get close to three and a half uh, Dang, for, dude. The, for the minis i'm sorry the minis oh okay okay for the singles i can get probably close to a full one and for the double decker full tilt bozo moon pie that's about three quarters at most before i start gagging with the gag reflex i can't believe you, mm. you said you told me we were going to answer every one of these <laughs> I tell wish you did video that. Why didn't you periscope that? Oh, anyway. Missed opportunity. I know. Speaking of which, what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? Once again, we could throw this one out because you failed to qualify the type of swallow, either African or Arabian, <laughs> but a European. European, I'm sorry. But being the one that was in charge of this question, I went and did some research. The average European swallow can go 24 miles per hour. What does the African do? It wasn't studied. They didn't have enough data. I don't know. Wiki didn't have it, but they did have it for the European swallow. Who is your favorite person from the southwest of England who creates instructional rules video? Well, Tony, that would be Paul Grogan, who does... Uh, videos of uh, rules instructions. Okay. Well, it works for me too. I like that. <laughs> Make it just so happen. Paul Grogan submitted this question too. Uh, man, amazing. I like how he did that. All right. Man. Did you meet Paul at BGGCon? Oh, briefly. It was real quick. Okay. Real really quick. nice guy. I, I really enjoyed talking to him. He shared a lot of stuff with me about Through the Ages, which I'm interested in. And guys, he he does make uh, some really uh, great instructional videos. He puts a lot of time and effort into it. And in fact, I'm going to use his videos for th how to learn how to play Through the Ages. And But seriously, he asked, I'm sure Paul asked this question, if you were to do, for example, what I did, and I don't know if I could do what you did do, and give up my job and start working for game companies, who would be the publishers that you would approach and why? It would be two um, up-and-coming ones. One is uh, Cool Men You're Not, because I just think 
that is a locomotive that is really starting to pick up a lot of steam. And another one I think started to pick up a lot of steam too is Plat Hat Games. And I like both of those companies because they do a lot of different things. They do a lot of different genres. And uh, I, I, if I was going to go for a company, I wouldn't want to go with one that really focuses on one type of of a genre or anything like that. So I'd want to kind of diversify. Okay. And for me, I think it would have to be portal games. I can't think of a better or funnier boss to work through than Ignacy, but I would also can just imagine how demanding he could be. So for me, it would have to be portal. Yeah. But what happened? He would like cuss at you in another language. You never know it. And you just like laugh. I know it, it would go over my head half the time. And then I would be his QA guy like Ignacy. I can't read this card. You know, that kind of stuff. Really? Are are you going to punish people constantly through this game? Paul continues. He likes to ask a lot of questions. Good for him. And in what capacity would you want to work as in the gaming industry, if at all? A capacity, I think, for me is I would I would enjoy being a tester, a QA or tester. I think a, a board game tester would be the capacity I would want to work in. For me, I think it'd be more like a product marketing. I'd like to kind of be the guy out there, kind of on the front lines, trying to see where the industry is going and try to, you know, catch the next wave of games, then find those games that would be really popular. And finally, why is BGG underlined my spelling of the word favorite? Favorite. Probably because you haven't added it to your browser's dictionary. Now, if you were to go do that, and you can ask the software engineer here, he could help you out there. Or probably because you're spelling it wrong, because you should spell it like we do in the U.S. Okay, all right. We won't even go there. But it's so funny. We, I work with um, a lot of uh, engineers over in the UK because we've got an office over there. And so I see this word like favorite and color spelled a lot with the O-U. But I also see a lot of words spelled where we use a Z and they use an S. Like organization where they take out the um, Z and put an S so it looks like organization. That's pretty neat. Well, that's, that's a trivia fact that I don't think anybody's going to remember. So here we go. Top five games that are evergreen games in your collections for the past three years. I have never heard that term evergreen used before to uh, talk about a game. I like that term. So here are my five. Terra Mystica, Puerto Rico, Eldritch Horror, because I needed a Meritrash game in there, Vikings, and Lords of Waterdeep. Those are the games that tend to come out on my table every so often. And Tony, when we have a couple of our friends over, uh, Puerto Rico and Vikings are like those games that they continually want to bring out. And I still use Lords of Waterdeep as a good introductory worker placement game, but that actually might be replaced with Champions of Midgard. Lords of Waterdeep was my go-to, but now depending on the group, I may decide between Lords of Waterdeep and Champions of Midgard. Yeah, I can see that. That Champions of Midgard, it's it's got some steam behind it. So, and we talked about it in a recent episode. For those of you who would like to go back and listen to episode 80. Sorry, that was a plug. Okay. Oh, for me, I don't know if anyone could guess this, Marty, but I think it would be Pandemic, mm-hmm. Puerto Rico. Yes. Oh, you're. I'm with you, man. That is such a good game. The guy who had the anniversary copy at BGG Con, oh. and I went over there and just, I wonder if that Adventure Sense could capture the smell of the 10th anniversary of Puerto Rico. And you could open it up and just go, ah, oh, 10th anniversary, Puerto Rico. My only wish is they come out the 15th anniversary. Oh, that would be so cool. <clears throat> Ticket to Ride, of course. Seven Wonders, ha, shockers of all shockers. And then I know this isn't a quote, a board game, but it is a part of the board gaming community, the card game, Oh Hell. I'd be interested in just how the two of you met. What are your bank gaming backgrounds before and how have they changed? We sort of covered this already. We met in college through a mutual friend. Did I get that right? Yes. Tony went to 
high school with a friend of mine that I went to church with. And, and then we got to college and through the mutual friend, that's like, Hey, this guy's Tony. This is Marty. And it's like, Tony's like, I've got a Commodore in my room. If you want to ever play any games and ever, I couldn't get rid of them. <laughs> it wasn't just me. Every time I went over to Tony's dorm room, there were a lot of people sitting down at his computer, playing those Commodore games, wanting to play beachhead. That was my game. Epics. Summer Olympics. and Yes, that was awesome, too. Yeah. So for you people who don't know what a Commodore 64, Commodore 128 is, go look it up. That was the computer system back then. I know. How in the world could you program on just 64K of memory? It was done. You wrote in machine code. So, yeah, that's how that's how we met. And the, ba- and the gaming background was I played games – Ever since I was little, you've heard us talk about, or for me, from Stratego on the back porch to APBA baseball to playing cards with my family. Um, And then when we got into college, it was video games, which just showed the love for the games. But Marty, in your dorm room, if I remember correctly, you and your roommate, Lucky, had a chessboard. Is that right? Uh, Yes, we did. We had a chessboard that we had set up in the middle of the room, and it was just kind of an ongoing game where when somebody came out from the class or something, it was their move. They went and made their move, and and it it would take several days to play, but that's kind of how we got gaming done. And yeah, early on, like Tony said, we were really heavy into video games because Tony and I's generation was the original video game generation, so we got really got swept up into that. And really, over the years, we kind of morphed from video games to more board games. Of all the lunchtime games, which one do you remember the fondest and who has the most, who has won the most, and of course, what has been your favorite to play? Well, I'm going to throw in lunchtime games with any time we've ever gotten together at a meal, uh, which we've done many times before and play games, and it's still Lord of the Rings, Tony. Yeah, that's, that's a great game. I, I'll admit, I've always enjoyed our Puerto Rico matches, but whenever we get to play Lord of the Rings LCG. Puerto Rico at lunch? Well, you said all meals. I was thinking like when we were at dinner and things like that. Oh, I was just thinking when we'd meet at a uh, fast food restaurant. Oh. Because remember, Tony and I used to play a lot of softball, a lot of softball. We were very fortunate to be on a pretty decent team. And remember, if we run ruled them by the third inning, Tony and I knew we could sneak off to McDonald's again in a game of Lord of the Rings before we had to go home. That's it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you're right. Lord of the Rings, TCG. I see what you're saying now. My bad. But yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Lord of the Rings. Great game. Incredible game. Hey, Marty, tell me a little bit more about your band. Well, sure. I play in a local band here in Charlotte. It's called Stella Rising. It is a, it's not a top four. It's a classic rock, rock type band where we could go and we play covers but we've also done a lot of original songs before we've i've recorded a couple mini eps with them i play uh uh, keyboards and it's kind of fun to to go in and write music together and go in the studio and record and all that so it's one of those things i kind of do on the side i was i don't do it as much now because i'm devoting more time to this show than than to the music but the music still is a nice way just to kind of get out there and play and and actually make a few bucks to help pay for the board games. Appreciate the question, Patrick, because I didn't even know other than I see his postings about his band every once in a while. So I appreciate the question there. It's a little uh, five-piece band, and I play with a couple really, three really good musicians. One that has a master's in jazz guitar. Another one's getting, uh, another uh, teaches uh, drums at high school and stuff. So really sharp musician. So it's one of those things where if you want to make yourself better, get around other people that are better than you. Okay, what game do you hate the most? If anybody 
has been listening to our show for any sort of time, they will know the answers for both of us. But go ahead in case you don't, Tony. Of course, it's resistance slash werewolf slash any social deduction game that has no redeeming qualities which is pretty much all of them so for me i would if if i could rank the ones i hate the most of the social deduction resistance is number one closely followed by werewolf the only reason why werewolf's not number one is because i can be eliminated in werewolf that's the beautiful thing okay just out of curiosity why do you dislike resistance so much because to me there is no way to logically figure out who's what. It's nothing but a screaming match. That's all that game has ever turned out to me. I've yet to see anybody show me the deduction to it. It's whoever can scream the loudest. For mine, it's Small World. That is a game that I've gotten frustrated with a lot when I've played with it, but typically because I play with the wrong people. I think mechanically, it's a really solid game. It's like a more sophisticated game of risk, which I never really got into for the same reason. Because it seems like I always end up in one of the situations where I'm kind of doing my thing. I'm not a threat to anybody, but yet somebody thinks I'm a threat for some reason and then focuses all their attention on me, letting somebody else you know, go away and win the game. That's one reason why I just never really cared for. But also, Tony, that game takes a while to set up and everything. There's a lot of little bits and pieces to it. So just getting it out of the box and on the table, it's kind of a, a working process itself. Again, mechanically, the name is the game is kind of cool. Oh, there's nothing I don't like, too. There's certain combinations that seem to be a little bit better than others. And if people know how to get those combinations together of of the factions and everything, they, they can just kind of run away with it. And when they recognize them, because they play it a whole lot. And I understand that. Now, you know, Andrew, who asked us that question, he posted that one of his was Flux. I thought for sure that was going to jump out on your page as much as you love Flux. Flux. I mean, everybody dislikes Flux for the exact same reason, because it's a game that go on and 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 on. What was the single best decision the pair of you made with regards to doing the podcast? Now, for me, it was our decision to try to keep the show at 60 minutes. And when we talked about when we started the show, we looked around at other shows at the time, and there were a lot of really, really good popular shows that were two and three hours long. And there wasn't a lot that were shorter. And the reason why we wanted to go shorter is a couple of reasons, because we knew that we weren't going to be as good as some of these other three-hour shows. And, that, and for People to add us to that list was going to be hard to do. So we thought if we keep it shorter, maybe there's a chance people will listen to us. And also, we're just not smart and entertaining enough to go for three hours. I agree with you completely. That was an excellent decision on our part. For me personally, Marty, the best decision I ever made for this podcast was that you edit it. Pants down. That's awesome. Did you say pants down? Hands down. Oh, man. I thought you said pants down. I thought, okay, this is getting kind of weird. Hey, spooning. Spooning. Anyway. (laughs) But no, and you guys don't realize the uh, he does an incredible amount of work behind the scenes, and there is no way I would get to that level of analness in order to put this show together to produce this show. So I appreciate everything you do, buddy. It's one of those things I enjoy, but it, it is can be time consuming, but we want to try to put the best product out there possible. Yep. Thin French fries, thick French fries, or crinkle cut. What would be your favorite? Okay, for me, this is an easy one. I assume thin is shoestring. I would say thin, right? And then I would say thick fries are like the steak potato wedges. And then, of course, crinkle. Yes. we all know what a crinkle cut is. Now, there were some notable French fries left off the list, such as waffle fries. I think of Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Yep, there you go. And then, of course, sweet potato fries. And matter of fact, this whole question created a squirrely moment in the BGG (laughs) Guild. So I appreciate that. But for me, it's going to have to be, I love a good thick steak fry. That's 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 what I enjoy. Uh, there was also one people said you should have included a curly 
fries oh, too. Oh, curly. Um, yeah, Arby's. There you go. Here's the thing. If these are fresh cut fries, those are typically none of these. Those are typically kind of the straight type fries, which is like five guys. That's my favorite. So if you exclude those and only look at these, I'm going to have to go with crinkle cut, like from like Zaxby's. And the reason why, because there's crinkle cut, there's more surface area of potato per fry. That's more flavor in your mouth. I understand. And now crinkle cut also holds ketchup. And seasoning. And seasoning. So yeah, 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 yeah. I can definitely see that. I mean, we could do 30 minutes on French fry reviews. <laughs> we, we could. And Vanessa said, where's potato logs? I'm going, I don't know if other people have potato logs. Is that a Southern thing, potato logs? Is that like potato wedges? Yes. Potato wedges, yeah. Oh, man. there was. You remember the old um, squirrel fast food place called Holly Farms Fried Chicken? I do. They had some of the best potato wedges or logs or whatever. Oh, my God. Those were incredible. Oh, my heavens. Yeah, so there's a uh, place uh, near us. That usually you'll find like a lot of Southern places to do like uh, fried chicken and they usually like and include, and if people don't know what potato logs are, imagine taking a potato, basically cutting up into eight slices, leaving the skin on, rolling it in some sort of seasoned flour, and then frying it. Oh, that is so good. And just like the BGG Guild, we have squirreled completely away. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> Sorry. What is your very best gaming experience? Slash, reminisce on each of your single biggest gaming victories. What, where, when, against, and whom. We kind of combine two questions here into a one single thing for me i just remember this vividly it was like when i first learned how to play arkham horror and that is a long uh, uh, rigorous game i remember the first time that we won and how excited we were as a group to win and i remember just shaking at the end as as, as we finally you know got towards the end and, and saw that we were going to win and it was just so joyous because everybody was so excited. So where I didn't win against anybody, the thrill of winning in a group in a co-op situation is so neat because the whole table is then energized because everybody shared the victory. Okay. Well, I remember coming over one time and I arrived and y'all were just finishing up. I believe it was XCOM. And suddenly all of you stood up around the table because you had to get through one more and you were going to win XCOM. I, I thought that would be your favorite biggest winning moment it was the exact same feeling and i remember you coming here and doing that and again it was the same thing XCOM is a brutal game and is one of those things that we played and played and played we finally got to the point where we could win and again it was a shared victory so as opposed to me winning and and, and like four other people being upset when everybody's excited it just made the whole experience more memorable for me it's all about me and because I, I can't really spoil out too much pandemic legacy here so i went back to another time when we were playing it was you me vanessa and i believe it was either cecil or ed our good gaming buddies and um i don't remember if both of them were there but we were playing terra mystica and i was the hobbits i call them the hobbits i don't know what the heck they were they were the farm shovel kind of guys i was killing y'all and i was having a good time because i was winning yes winning yeah, that's selfish. It was feeling kind of good. But probably the best part about that whole victory was watching. I thought I was, guys, I thought I was going to witness the divorce of the Connells. <laughs> Vanessa kept taking every spot Marty wanted. And she has this cackle that is unmistakable. 
unmistakable when she knows she is getting under his skin. And I was just sitting back. I was winning and I was laughing at those two. And I knew there was no chance either one of them were going to catch me. And I just had a blast. So for me, that was probably one of my favorite gaming moments. And it was just the interaction. Once again, did it matter that I won? Well, heck yeah, it matters. Yeah, that one sucked. I don't talk about that one anymore. So what's the next question? Oh, okay, fine. What is your favorite cartoon? Here's the thing. Maybe this isn't fair, but I had to lump them all into one. It's just Looney Tunes cartoons. I know that that's just a bunch of different shorts, but that's what I grew up with. I enjoyed the Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck style cartoon, so it's Looney Tunes. Okay, and see, uh, me too, but I went even deeper than just the Looney Tunes because, I mean... I remember the Wiley e. Coyotes and guys, if you go back and watch the real ones, you'll see where there's actually violence in the cartoon where Wiley e. Coyote gets splattered and things. Like that. But the one that stands out to me that is still my all time favorite is rabbit fire. That is the first one where Daffy duck stops being a loon and he and bugs are put up against each other with Elmer duck season, rabbit season. Oh, I thought that was called Rabbit Season. It's called Rabbit Fire. That's the first one. There were three of them done that way, and Rabbit Fire was the first one. So yeah. Oh, oh my gosh! Yes, that that's my number one by far. Yeah, it's just so classic to sit there and watch his beak spin around and around and around, and you're despicable. So anyway, that was a great one. Now, if I had to pick, aside from that, if I had to pick one that's like near and dear to me growing up, do you remember a cartoon called Battle of the Planets? Uh, no. Well, yeah, I do. I remember Battle of the Planet, but I was a big Star Blazers. Oh, yeah. It's the same genre. Yeah. It was it was a, a, a Japanese-style uh, cartoon that was brought over here. But yeah, it was about the same time in Battle of the Planets. And if I was to look to a more modern cartoon as um, I got older, Ren and Stimpy. Okay, and see, I would go to the Animaniacs. Oh, Animaniacs were awesome, too. Yeah, so there you go. That Cartoons... We could talk about them as much as we could talk about movies and comic books, but we are a board gaming podcast. So moving right along. How long until we get the first Taz's musings? Uh, Taz is the new dog we got, and we will not be doing that until he stops pooping in the house. Well, that's kind of amusing. Moving on. Tell us more about your families. We would love to know like the top five or 10 games your wives enjoy in similar lists by your kids. You go first because your list, you got more kids than I. My youngest uh, really enjoys Rum and Bones. Uh, I know that that's a newer game, but that's kind of, he enjoys that style of game. He enjoys MOBA style games. So this is one that was kind of right in his wheelhouse. Both of my kids, all three of my kids really enjoy Arcadia Quest. Uh, they enjoy the PVP, PVP element. They enjoy playing over a campaign. So they're really stoked about Arcadia Quest Inferno. My middle son said, please throw Trajan on the list for me. Threw a Stefan Feld game wow. on there. He said he really, really wow. enjoys that. I know that kind of came out of the blue because the other day he said, we need to get Trajan to the table again. I was like, dude, yeah, high five. So Vanessa, she said, I'm easy. She said, I love uh, dice games. So like roll for the galaxy. But she said, you can just lump all of the Arkham Horror style games into one big bucket for me. She said, doesn't matter whether it's Mansions of Madness, Eldritch Horror, Arkham Horror. She loves them all. She loves the theme. She loves the co-optiness of them. And she just loves that style of game. I'm surprised Travis didn't throw out the Pathfinder stuff. I just said board games. Oh, uh, okay. By far, his, his number one type of game or style of game is definitely Pathfinder. Number one, easily. Is he still running the groups? Yes, he does. And Adam, uh, my oldest son in college, they play uh, in a Pathfinder session like once every week or two. Okay. That's kind of cool. 
That's kind of neat. And it's amazing just how many clubs at the schools, at the universities, are embracing the board gaming. It's just, they're everywhere there. Matter of fact, yep. our friends who we're going to see in a little while, their sons are constantly having board gaming get-togethers and, and the social interaction. So it's spreading. Guys, this hobby's not going to die. All right. So for my my family, for Donna, like, here's a shocker for you. Pandemic. Imagine that. Uh, Roll for the Galaxy. She loves, of course, playing Oh Hell. And another card game, which is really, it is a simply a get together, enjoy the company of others called Sequence. It couldn't get any simpler. If you tried, you play a card, you place a chip, five in a row, you win. It's a tough game. And then she also... And a lot of this comes from just growing up, uh, Rebecca growing up and playing trouble. She still to this day, they love to play trouble. And I think a lot of it has gone into what Rebecca would consider her favorite games. She loves the games where you get other people. She loves small world, Marty. She loves that. She loves attacking people. She loves going after people. She loves trouble. She enjoyed playing sorry and sending. It wasn't just sorry. It was sorry, daddy. All right. So any of those type of games, she enjoys that. She enjoys Puerto Rico, though. She she really enjoys it when I pull out Puerto Rico because it's one of because she always wins at that game. She really enjoys that game. So for me, those are the games for my family. The Secret Cabal has their knighthood. What would you call the elite y'alls? Our elite y'alls, would you, would we be the squirrel wranglers or something on that front? Now, Marty, how much thought did you give this? It's funny. Tony and I actually talked about this before. There are other shows that have nicknames or terms of endearment for people that listen to the show. And Tony and I have talked about, should we try to coin something? And we never did. We just didn't feel right about it for some reason, because we've always thought of it this way. We've always thought of our whole goal is, is that Tony and I are sitting at a a table talking and we want to bring people in on the conversation who are our friends just kind of sitting around talking with us. And because of that aspect and how we view this show, I just never really thought of a name or anything like that. And the only thing I could come up with Marty while sitting in traffic the other day for 45 minutes was if I'd said anything, it'd be the all y'alls. The all y'alls. <laughs> That's everybody. Everybody that it's very inclusive, very inclusive. The all y'alls. Hey, you want to be part of the rolling dice taking name? You're part of the all y'alls. Congratulations. <laughs> all y'all come on in. So that's just how we roll. If you were to design a game, what would be the theme mechanics or art style? This is one I've thought about before. I would love to have a game with a theme being music. Now, music is very mathematical, and I think it would be cool to have some sort of game where you've got some sort of staff on like a sheet music. And as you play the game, there's some sort of mechanic where notes are are being put on that staff, and they're put into a certain way that after it's done, it would actually make a song or a tune. Mm. It would be some sort of Euro style game and you could change it where depending on what key the song is supposed to be in is where the notes would go. I don't know. I just think it would be kind of cool to have some sort of mechanic where you start with a blank piece of sheet music and by the end you actually have something where if you were to play it, it would sound like something. Wow. That's pretty darn creative, dude. Why don't you get busy on that? Because I'm not smart enough to come up with something like that. I can come up with an idea, but I don't know how to implement it. You can't it. follow through with it. You can't, you, you can't see it to the end. Is that what <laughs> I'm hearing. I think you could do it. I'm too busy editing a podcast. Well, this is true. But in your spare time while you're doing that and ordering purses online, but we won't go why. Uh, speaking of which, I need to quit. Hold on. I got something for Donna here. Hold on. 
buy, sell. No, there we go. Anyway. Uh, what, what, no, you said you brought the purses online. We got started late because my son is helping me pick out a purse for my wife for Christmas. So now, see, you brought up something. Now I've got to fill in the gap. Did she know that she was getting one? She asked for one. So does that mean she's going to get one? Does she get what's ever on her list? That's the easiest way for me to shop. If I, if I don't stray too far off the list, <laughs> then I am good. I have strayed off the list before, and Vanessa really likes it when I do, but I get really nervous. You can't color outside the lines. I have before, and it's been pretty successful, but I'm getting to the point I just want to be safe now. I understand. So when you design this music game, are you going to be safe, or are you going to try to stretch it? Are you going to stretch your boundaries? I don't know. What game are you going to design? Well, I had put on there a spy theme type game, well, it's, which is what we talked about earlier. And to be honest with you, I, everything I come up with, it's already been done. I mean, I enjoy the heroes. I enjoy, um, I thought about, you know, it seemed like there weren't any mythology games out there, like good um, card game around mythology and used the mechanism we talked about with Lord of the Rings. But suddenly there was like this, big wave of mythology games. It was like, here comes the zombies, here comes the mythology, you know? And so I don't have a creative bone in my body. So I, I don't think I could really do one. Let's move on. What is your beverage of choice while playing games? Is it the same for each type of game, strategy, party, card, etc.? I got to go with Coke Zero, man. I got to have the caffeine. I got to, and a lot of people are going, they go, ooh, Coke Zero, yuck. And I'm like, that's my beverage of choice, guys. Of all the Coke products, Coke Zero is definitely my favorite, too. I can't stand Diet Coke, but Coke Zero is actually pretty good. For me, it's Diet Mountain Dew and tea. Uh, that's my two beverages. I I would prefer to do tea because it's probably not good for you to drink a lot of caffeinated, not caffeinated, carbonated drinks. So there you go. Do you really make all those moon pies yourself? No, they come from my plant in Chattanooga. Have you tried, though? You've tried to make a moon pie, haven't you? I have not. I have seen a recipe for it. And in fact, at BGG Con, there was a uh, one of our friends oh. there, Ken, uh, Ken Grazier, uh, said yes. that uh, next year when it comes to origins, that uh, his wife is going to try to make a homemade moon pie. And I'm so excited. Remember, oh, and I can't remember the guy's name. Oh, I'm so sorry. He brought us some food. And oh, remember, we, were, we played Steampunk Rally with yes. him? Yes. All those things were so good. A lot of people were bringing homemade desserts and, and, and foodie products, and they were really good. What was the first role-playing game you two tried? When and where? For me, it was, I was in seventh grade. It was Dungeons and & Dragons, and I was over at a friend's house. And the next day, I went out and bought the D&D book and then returned it a week later because we never played it. And it was just, that was it. That was done. How about you? Do you know how much that book will be worth now? It's useless. The rules don't work, right? No, it doesn't matter. It's just, those are like collector's things now, especially if it's like advanced D&D or something. This was seventh grade? Yeah, seventh grade. Oh, dude. Okay. That would have been a way early edition. So 30 years ago. No, when was seventh grade? Seventh grade. Uh, seventh grade is like 12, 13 years old. That's what Brad is right now. All right. So that would have been 36 uh, years ago. Yeah, you messed up on that. Uh, so for me, my first one was actually when Tony and I were living in the apartment after we got out of Yes, after college, we had an apartment here in Charlotte and we played the Marvel superhero RPG. That's the first time I ever played one. That was so much fun. It was, but we didn't have a very good DM because we kept doing these really stupid stupid over-the-top OP things <laughs> that didn't make sense in the context. It was just the DM let us be too powerful. And that was me because somebody said, I'm going to be Silver Surfer. Cosmic Encounter. Oh, that's right. Uh, cosmic uh, um, Power. Oh, 
this not this one that was called no that's gonna kill me power cosmic power cosmic i'm got power cosmic well i'm gonna open up a wormhole with my hammer thor it, we were like fighting bank robbers and silver surfer and thor versus a bank robber wasn't too tough yeah that died real quick i don't want to ask you who your favorite guest is so what about favorite segment that is no longer part of the show one that had a good run, but is no longer needed or changed into a different segment. For me, that's easy. It was at the table. We had this segment where I would go to the game club, and we had this one question. I would go around, ask people their answers, and then Tony and I would give ours. I still enjoy that segment. I just don't get to the game club as frequent. I used to do it like once a month pretty religiously, and I can't do it anymore. So that's why it was kind of dropped, because I just couldn't consistently do it every time. That was one of my favorites too. But I think when we first started out, one of the segments we were doing is trying to do this intro to board gaming for non-board gamers, people like, you know, we were back then. and Casual Corner. Casual Corner. And that was probably one of my favorite segments that we kind of dropped. It's morphed, it's changed. And we may, we may have to go back and revisit that. And of course, 2016, who knows what segment's going to come in and, and take over for us. All right. Is there a game you are constantly looking up questions and facts on BGG and other sites? Mm. No, I know them all. (laughs) (laughs) Bam! Okay, I'll be fair. When we first learned to play a game, every game is constantly being looked up until I feel pretty comfortable with it. Shoot, I was looking up one today, and it's a simple little game, Quicks, and... It was just like, this is unreal. I'm having to go back over to the BGG and look up. But there, it was amazing how many rules were there. So um, I still look up Pandemic occasionally every once in a while, especially um, when something strange happens. For me, I think BGG, that's why you know you need to go support it. It's, there's not one particular game. All games. I'm over there. I'm looking. I'm reading. Because I don't get Eldritch Horror to the table a lot, every time I go back to that game, I always have to go and look up a few things on getting it set up and everything, just because there's a lot of moving bits to that and moving pieces. I just forget it over time. So that's one I always kind of have to typically pull out the rule book and make sure I really understand what's going on. Do you have a favorite outtake from the end of your episodes? I mean, it's the classic. The toilet flush was probably the best thing that's ever happened to this show. But that wasn't the end of the episode, but it was funny. No, uh, but I, I see that was thinking that was an, you didn't put it at the end as an outtake. No, we la- actually left it in the show for people knowing we're talking about in our first year. Uh, we had one of our local friends on who was talking about it was, it was miniature gaming. I believe mm-hmm. there was, he was in a room and I believe somebody in his family went to the restroom and like, and when they left, they flushed the toilet as he was talking and, and I wasn't as good as like, let's just stop and re-record that. We just left it in the show. Probably. Uh, I forgot that. I thought you had put it at the end well then probably for my favorite outtake was the time i couldn't start the show and we spent i think i counted in about four or five times before i finally got going that was a rough one oh so i went and listened to a lot of outtakes today and a lot of our outtakes are little bits that tony and i will do at the end of the show but the funniest ones by far are the ones that, like tony just said where there was just a blooper in the show and as I'm editing it, I'll pull it out and stick it at the end because it's funny. And by far, as I went and re-listened to a lot of the shows today, those were the ones that were the funniest. Screw-ups are always the best when you mock yourself. Exactly. Most surprising random answer so far. Most hilarious, silliest. All right, Marty, what is it? When we had Eric Lang on, we were talking about the fighting games, and we kind of got him to... He got all excited because he's into the fighting games and everything, and then we kind of got him like to drop a potential hint maybe for a future Dice Masters type game mm-hmm. or, or a theme. That was just like a shocker. It was like all of a sudden we were just like in sync. We didn't know he liked fighting games. 
and the guy is just a it was a Street Fighter, wasn't it? Yeah, Street Fighter, Mario, and Mortal Kombat. Yeah, but I mean, Street Fighter was his jam. He was telling us about how he used to go to the arcade and play all the time. So that was just kind of cool that we just kind of fell into that. Oh yeah, that was by far probably one of the the most not so much hilarious, but most enjoyable. I think from that time. Now for me, I, you know, probably one of the most interesting or biggest bombs, and it's not because of the guest. It was just by the questions being asked is, or maybe it was because of the guest. I don't know. He's such a good guy was when Dan King could not pick up on the various ice types. That was pretty funny. It was just like, Oh, Okay, this is going nowhere and bombing fast. Yeah, because we asked, it was um, shaved, mm-hmm. uh, shaved, oh, no, I can't remember the other, crushed, and something else. Probably cubed. Yeah, that's it. And and he just did not grasp on what we were talking about. So that was definitely one of the biggest flubs. And silliest, of course, anytime Chaz is on. They're the silliest. Favorite game of the year or unexpected gem of the year? Hmm. What you got there? Well, here's the thing. I have thought about it. I am not ready to announce it yet, but I can tell you, I want to come up with three. Definitely two of the three are going to be either Blood Rage or Forbidden Stars. I can see that. And, and for me, I mean, Jim would be Forbidden Stars. Just bringing back the StarCraft mechanic, I really enjoyed that. And, and the more chances we get to play it, the more in-depth experience I get with it. But... Favorite game? Come on, guys. What do you think? What do you think it's going to be? It's going to be Pandemic Legacy. Oh, oh my gosh. We just opened a recent one, Marty. Oh, my gosh. That was an early Christmas when we opened that storage container and found the stuff in there. That was just incredible. I have got to play that game. I got to get it. I got to play it over Christmas. Things you are most looking forward to next year. Well, for me, getting back to Origins. I'm excited that I am going back to Origins. Last time we went, 2012. Can't wait to get back there in 2016. Really looking forward to Origins. I'm really looking forward to what's going to be happening next with this legacy style, campaign type style games. It seems like a lot of people are trying to do this now, or uh, where you have games like Pandemic uh, Legacy or games where it's not just to sit down and, and you play and you're done. It kind of continues over time or or an idea like time stories where there's like these modules that you play through multiple times until you get it. That seems to be, even though we have a few on the market, I'm really hoping, waiting to see how this will really grow into something bigger. Because as board gamers, we're, tip, we're used to setting up a game, we play, we put it away, and we're done with it. Next time we play, it's just the exact same thing. But there's these other games out there, like RPGs and such, where there's an experience that you just have over the course of multiple plays I think we're just really dipping our toe into it. I mm-hmm. think Pandemic Legacy is a d- big step into that pool, but I just can't wait to see where that type of game goes. I'm with you there. Best non-game related relaxing weekend activity. What, what do you do on the weekends besides play music, play games with the boys? What do you do? Walk the dogs. What What is it for you, man? Now, now wait a minute. Why is it I have to answer first? We've been per- we've been going like the person who asked the question, the other person answers first. You tell me. But you got to answer first so I can steal it. <laughs> That's all there is to it. If you just forget the weekend of just other things that we do, mm-hmm. I do play in the band. I try to stay somewhat active somehow. I try to run like three times a week. I try to get out and shoot basketball with the boys and play basketball with them. And uh, every once in a while, I go out and play tennis. I still enjoy uh, disc golf. 
Mm-hmm. I like to play more than than what I do. So there are things like that that I consider relaxing. Actually, in the summertime, getting on my uh, mower and mowing the yard for like an hour is somewhat relaxing because I just put in some headphones and just go out there and chill for a bit. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing about the yard work and things like that. Best, but when you say non-gaming, do sports count? Are those not games? Well, I think it was. How about non-board gaming? Non-board gaming. The man wrote the question. You can't be changing the question here. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out his intent. I'm assuming it's non-board gaming. All right, so non non-board gaming. So yeah, sports. Yeah, I'm with you. Disc golf. I'm really, really. I know it's an old old person sport where you abuse me, but I really enjoy getting back into bowling. I've I've had a lot of fun doing that and trying to get better at that and learning all about that sport and how it's changed. And I know this is going to be funny. Well, okay. It's funny to me and you probably think it's ridiculous, but I love to grocery shop. Hmm. It's a game to me. It's how can I get into the grocery store and save the most money? my, My whole goal is the coupon savings, the BOGOs, all of that. Can I make them equal the amount I spent? And, and being only two people now and not having boys, that's fairly easy for me to accomplish, Marty, where I know I've seen your boys. Holy cow, dude. You got to put some groceries in that in that house. Because of that, then maybe you need to go shop for Vanessa because she can't stand the grocery shop. Oh, well, when it becomes a challenge, I can understand that. But so there you go. A little another insight on us. Tony and I, for gosh, 10, 12 years, we're heavy softball players. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did that a lot, what, maybe once or twice a week? Yes. And we would play like two seasons a year. So there was probably, what, six, seven months out of the year we were playing softball. So, and because I mentioned earlier that after softball games, sometimes we would take our car games with us and play with us right after the softball game. So that's something we really used to do a lot. And all the teams we used to play for kind of fell apart. And, and we got old. And we, shh, don't say. Okay. But I will say, I don't know if it was so relaxing because we are competitive. We were competitive and we played on teams that were very competitive. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. So, all right. Any speculation about the new Star Wars movie? Will it be amazing? Okay. Or a disappointment to your childhood memories? What is your guess? So for me, nothing will beat that childhood memory of going into the theater as a child and seeing that first opening sequence in Star Wars A New Hope, which wasn't even called A New Hope at the time. No, there's no way compared to my childhood memories, it will be amazing. I hope it's not a disappointment like Phantom Menace was. I'm hoping for okay. You're hoping for okay. Even after all the trailers, all the all the hype, you think it's going to be just okay? Well, again, will it be amazing disappointment to my childhood memories? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I'm just reading the way he had the question phrased. For me, my childhood memories, for me, it was the movies me and my dad enjoyed. So it will be not as good for me, but all in all, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about these, these, this coming movie and the old movies. I fell asleep the last time I watched Star Wars, dude. It was hilarious. I was watching <laughs> The New Hope and I fell flat asleep. Even the new enhanced version, it just, it wasn't that great anymore. So I can't build on that, you know? That movie's definitely dated when you go back and, and watch some of the bad acting and, and stuff like that that was going on. Mark Hamill wasn't the best actor 
during that time. Oh, so. have you seen where he goes out as a stormtrooper? Oh, yes. That was really entertaining. It's on YouTube right now, right? Yeah, the YouTube. And he and then Harrison Ford drop in and all that stuff. And Oh, yeah. but anyway. All right. So, Tony, who gives the best hugs? Our wives. Good answer. Thank you. Good answer. How about this? How about in the board gaming community, who gives the best hugs? Oh, Scott Morris. Without a doubt. Oh, my gosh. That is too funny. We did not talk about this before, and Scott Morris was my answer. There you go. I mean, uh, biggest bear hug now. Uh, but I mean, if you stack them all up, Hunter does a pretty good bear hug. Weapon, you know, weapon grade table tabletop over there. He he does, he gets you in a good bear hug too. But yeah, Scott Scott's hilarious. Because Scott's always like the first one there to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know who doesn't give hugs? Who's that? Tom Vassell. Tom Vessel does, is not a huggy person. Well, neither am I. I'm not a touchy feely kind of guy either. But you know, sometimes you just the board gaming community. Everybody, I'll give anybody a hug, especially if you you know come up and give me food. <laughs> <laughs> but but who is the most fun to hug? Well, that's that's almost kind of the same thing. Yeah. I, did you have an answer for this one? Oh, that's uh, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm uh, see. It's it's getting late, guys. It's past our bedtime here. But no, you're right, Scott Morris. You're absolutely. Right. But tell us. What was your most awkward hug? I think it had to be maybe the time I met Rhiannon because she's not a like a huggy person and you felt like you, you know, you, you kind of should. And you weren't sure when you were going in for the, the hug if there was going to be a throat punch involved. Oh, that's a good point. It was kind of one of those uh, trickery things that could happen. She may be coaxing you in and then boom. There you go. Kind of like what Rodney did in Subterfuge when he said, hey, let's be buddies and not attack each other. And as we were shaking hands, he pulled me in and shoved a knife right in my back. Dude, get over it. Okay. (sighs) Sorry. Quick, put some Frozen music on. All right. (laughs) Get some Swifty going here. Shake it off. Let's go. All right. I think for me, it was when I was at BG Con, I was not expecting it. And it was our good old buddy, Rodney Smith. I'm like, whoa, check this out. This is kind of interesting. I wasn't expecting Did he shove a knife in your back as he was doing it? No, but I was like, oh, okay, this is this is cool. All right, I'm liking this up-close kind of personal community we got going on here. You know, it, when you don't expect it, but it made it fun. It is a huggy community, which is unusual because I'm not a huggy person either, but it just feels... It feels right for some reason. You know what? Are we at the end yet? Oh, yes. Thank you so much, everyone, for submitting all those questions. Those were a, a lot of fun to go over. And we, maybe three years, we'll, t- we'll do it again. <laughs> it's like, okay, we're sorry we asked so many questions, guys. Move along. Hey, you didn't think we'd do it, but we did. We came through for you. And like you just said, Marty, they learned their lesson. Hey, Future Tony here, and Marty unfortunately left off three questions that came from the guild when he sent the list out. Now, that's okay. We understand that, and with the future capabilities, we are able to edit these shows and put them in. So the questions were, how has Chevy Dodd positively impacted your life? Well, to be honest with you, that impact has been in the form that I know based on meeting Chevy that I have a great chance to fulfill my dream of working at Portal Games when I retire because my gosh the bar is obviously not set that high. Number two where would you be today if it weren't for the influence of Chevy Dodd? 
well, I would probably not have the feeling that I could work at a game store because I'm not that creative when it comes to that. But, you know, I have the positivity that I will be hired because I've met Chevy Dodd. And finally, number three, when you think of Chevy Dodd, the positive image that comes to mind is, oh, the image is quite clear. Me demoing the portal games, going out there and being able to just just do all that fun gaming stuff. That's the positive image. Happy at a game booth, demoing and pushing games on everybody. Wait a minute. That may not be such a positive image. Maybe I should have gone with the one of me riding a Harley Davidson towards a gaming convention. If he can do it, maybe someday I will. So there it is. Our third anniversary episode. Our first and only third anniversary episode. That's right. And probably you could use that same modifier on our first and only question and answer episode. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if we ever do it again, everybody's going to be like, don't ask him anything. Don't, don't ask him anything. Oh, freaking out. You're going to be kicked out of the guild. <laughs> what are you doing? No, guys, thank you so much for putting in. And uh, Marty, I, I loved our, our original, you know, what, is, what was the best decision? Hey, you should, we're going to keep it at 60 minutes. Well, we screwed that one up too, but that's all right. We'll just move right along. Well, and, and you know what? This is our third anniversary episode, but it's also our last episode of 2015. Tony and I are going to go on a little hiatus. Usually we release a show every two weeks, but what we're going to do with the holidays coming up, uh, we're not going to release a show in two weeks. Instead, we're going to come back in January, and we're going to come back with something we've never done before. Tony and I are going to do our first ever awards episode. We're going to take that thread we started over in the BGG Guild, and we are going to continue to expand on that. So, guys, thank you so much for just helping us kind of get it the ball rolling. But it's going to be a fun show. It is going to be a fun show. Tony and I have a lot of work to do between now and then, a lot of planning to do, but we're excited about it, and hopefully it'll it'll turn out okay and uh, I know y'all thinking it's just an award show. We're trying to do something a little different. We may totally fall flat on our face, but we'll see how it goes. And we're okay with that. Once again, then when the Q&A comes at the end of 2016, what do you most regret that you did in 2016? <laughs> we can say we did the award <laughs> show. <laughs> oh, but speaking of 2016, we're very excited about 2016. we got a lot of exciting uh, things coming up. We are so thrilled to be working again uh, with our sponsors. Uh, we have uh, three wonderful sponsors we're going to be working with again in 2016 and doing uh, stuff with them. Tony and I were trying to get, think of some things we can and do in 2016. And Tony, this was your idea. So I'm going to let you talk about this. Well, okay. So, you know, I don't know if it was a bad sub or some rough bojangles or something, but I had this idea come back to me. We used to do a segment that we, uh, this could have been one of the segments we used to do and didn't do, and that was the five-minute initiative, where in five minutes, kind of like a flying squirrel, but we review a game, which really was kind of like the predecessor to the flying squirrels. And so we're going to start up our five-minute initiatives, but here's the twist. To get them out and get them out quicker and not worry about scheduling or anything like that, we're just basically going to announce Google Hangouts. And that's what we're going to do. Just like we did the Google Hangouts when we did the um, survey answers or the prize giveouts, we're going to do the five-minute initiative, Google Hangouts. We want to get those back on the table. 
Yeah, it's a really good way for us to get some reviews out. And for those who don't know, we used to do audio versions where they're just five minute segments and we got together and did it. Uh, we want to bring it uh, to the video style. They'll still be five minutes long. We'll still be held by the clock. But having a video will allow us to possibly show game components or maybe show some things that we couldn't do with the audio version. But again, the same thing. We'll come in. We'll talk a little bit about the game. Uh, we'll give our uh, comments, our thoughts, and, and wrap it up in five minutes. So look forward to doing that. And hopefully Santa will be good to me and bring me my high-definition camera so we can get these done for the laptop. But so you can just see the complete and total ugliness here on the other end of the microphone. But that's okay. I'm I'm good with that. Y'all can always just listen to the audio version. That's that's the neat thing about Hangouts, Marty. You can just strip the audio version. <laughs> that, that that's right. So that's one of the things that's going to be coming back next year. So we've got the uh, new award show. We've got the um, five minute initiatives. Uh, in addition, I we haven't talked to him, but I assume that we'll come back again for another movie of box office, red box or trash box type uh, segment last year. We really enjoyed that. That will definitely happen. That will be one of our May shows. And we've and guys over on the guild, if there's somebody you want us to talk to, post it. We can ask, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> they may not come on. But post um, it. But, yeah, speaking of which, I mean, that's one exciting thing that we got to do in 2015, Tony. Have you gone back and looked over the guests that we had got to have on the show this past year? Incredible. We got so fortunate to be able to have so many great guests and designers and publishers to come on that really just made us sound better. Oh, I know. And uh, we really do appreciate them. So 2015, Rolling Dice Taking Names uh, had a really good year. And just really do want to thank you guys for listening to us. Without you, we would just be... A bunch of guys talking to each other at night. Kind of what we used to do before the show started. <laughs> exactly. Except there may be a video game involved as I'm talking to you on uh, getting killed in Half-Life or doing something like that. So anyway, thank you once again for a wonderful year. I really do appreciate it and look forward uh, to 2016. And as always, thank you, Marty, for getting me involved in this. Uh, have a blast and the community that's out there. And you're, because without this, I don't. I, we would have missed out. Yeah, we would. And I love having you as a co-host. I think we uh, do work well together. And we were serious behind the scenes. There's really not a lot of drama because uh, Tony is so easygoing. It's like, think about the show. Hey, Tony, you want to do a show? Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> you know, and it's like, he's three years later. It's like, oh, crap. Why did I ever say that? No, but it's more like, when can you do it? When can you record it? Well, Marty, I got bowling this night. Then there's, of course, there's date night. And oh, don't forget, I've got this going on as well. And oh, my God, dude. You're only giving me two days to record or to edit. Well, you know, hey, you're a master. You can deal with that. But either way, guys, thanks. 2015, great year. But I want you to keep rolling dice. And taking names. Thanks for listening to RDTN. Follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names. Visit our website, RollDiceTakeNames.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Roll Dice Take Names. Visit our BGG Guild. Like us on Facebook. Well, um, that show was different. Yep, lousy. But different. (laughs) (laughs) 
This Christmas season, you probably want to buy your friends and family some board games or maybe some for yourself. That's why you want to go over to funagain.com and check out the big sale they're having right now. Deck the halls. 35% off everything, Tony. That's right. Be sure, though, when you're checking out to use the code DECK the halls during checkout because that's 35% and you better get over there soon because we speak with experience here people stuff is selling out we can't get what we wanted no we sure can't and they're offering a special right now where if you order $150 or more then what you will do is you will get a free six-month elite membership that's right. Elite membership that helps you on your shipping, that helps you on getting your purchases next year at the 35% off. Definitely go check it out if you're ordering up some games and they will get it to you hopefully by the time Christmas gets here. Thank you for checking out a United Geeks Network family member. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other online media with a geek culture slant, head over to unitedgeeksnetwork.com where you will find Broken Prism Reviews, a YouTube channel bringing you game reviews in three parts, unboxing, express gameplay, and a quick rundown of what makes the game stand out. The United Geeks Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at unitedgeeksnetwork.com.